ESPN Daily is presented by Supercuts, the smarter, easier way to get a haircut. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Sam Borden, I need you to set the scene for us here. Tell us about this basketball game that you found yourself at back in January. So it's a cold, dank, foggy night, early January. It's Southern Illinois, Edwardsville at Eastern Illinois. From first midcourt inside Lance Arena in Charleston, it's back to basketball for the Eastern Illinois Panthers, along with our special guest analyst, Bryce Weiler. This is, this is downstate Illinois. This is closer to Missouri, maybe even Kentucky than Chicago. And inside the gym, it's like a typical small-time Division I game. This is the 25th time the two schools have met on the basketball court. Eastern's got a 17 There's like 1,500 fans maybe scattered throughout this arena. You had it poked away. It's loose on the court and rolls out of bounds. At least that ball was not picked up by... SIUE, as I could have turned into a fast break the other way for a quick 2 0 start. And, and they're really good at that, turning those loose balls into. I'm sitting in the stands, I'm watching this game, and I've got my headphones in, listening to the radio broadcast while I'm watching. Drives in, laid it in, count the bucket, he's fouled by Cam Williams. Hustle play, diving on the floor, really going after the ball, getting the ball ahead, easy layup, the and one. And. That radio broadcast is exactly what you'd expect, too. An upbeat, peppy, play-by-play guy. And an analyst chiming in with quick observations, statistics, trends. Zone defense can be really hard, and the only way to get rid of that is to make shots from the outside, or else they're just going to keep doing that. And Pablo, that radio analyst is the reason why I'm at this game. He's very, very good. He's jumping in with all the right points and all the moments that you'd expect from a radio analyst. He didn't try to block it as far as he could out of the gym. He blocked it down so it could be picked up by one of his teammates. And he happens to be blind. There's a lot to the visual side of live sports. And I say this, of course, on a podcast, a definitively ears-only medium. But to paint a picture of a game live, in motion, to detail the speed and the physics of the action, you'd assume that you have to lay eyes on it, that you need to actually watch it. Today, Sam Borden tells us the story of Bryce Weiler, a young man who dreamt of being part of the sports world and found his way in by calling games. Games that he could not see. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, March 22nd. This is ESPN Daily. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Sam, as someone who, like you, works in sports broadcasting, the whole notion of calling live games, of analyzing games without using the sense that I 
most obviously rely on. I found that all inherently compelling. And I'm curious how much of that was your motivation to share the story of Bryce Weiler. Yeah, Pablo, I agree with you. It was something that was intriguing to me right away. And and for Bryce, that's really what all of this is all about. It's all about showing the world that even though he's blind, even though there are people in the world who are disabled in any number of ways, those people deserve opportunities too. And he saw it as an opportunity to pay tribute to a couple of people in his life who had really helped him in terms of giving him opportunities. So before we start to unpack how this is even possible, Sam, how Bryce actually can call a Division I basketball game mechanically, tell me about Bryce himself. What brought about his blindness to begin with? Yeah, I mean, he's been essentially blind since birth. I mean, he was born several months premature uh, and was, you know, a miracle baby in a lot of ways. He was in the hospital for months on end. He had something like 80 to 100 different times where he had to go under anesthesia uh, Mm. in the first couple of months of his life because that was the only way that the doctors could examine his eyes. I could see a few short days whenever I was in the hospital before either too much light or too much oxygen detached uh, the retinas in my eyes, which, which then caused me to be blind. Whatever the medical history is, he doesn't really know anything other than having been blind since birth. If someone obtains their disability partway through their life through an accident or some sort of illness or sickness, then he or she can remember what it was like to be able to see beforehand or what colors were. But since I've never been able to do that, it's not really any different for me. So he's never seen a sport, literally. He's never seen a field, a ball, a court. None of this, Sam, is actually in his memory banks. He has no visual reference point for any of the things that we take for granted. Exactly, exactly right. And and that was fascinating to me. I mean, what he does is rely on his other senses. Those other senses help him paint a picture in his head. You know, he's called baseball games, and he told me that he would walk a baseball diamond and sort of feel the way a baseball diamond lays out. And the same thing with a basketball court. He doesn't know visually what 94 feet is, but he knows what it feels like. And for him, that's enough. So his feel for the game, Sam, how does that even develop? Like, what is his entry point into sports? How does he become interested in this at all? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. He wasn't interested in participating in sports. There are plenty of sports opportunities for kids who are blind. You know, there's a, a sport called beep ball, which he never had any interest in actually playing, according to his mom. But he was interested in NASCAR. I really enjoyed listening to NASCAR races on the radio and listening to my favorite driver, Jeff Gordon, in the NASCAR races while driving my big wheels around the driveway. 
Everyone was, was very surprised that I could navigate around the driveway without running into the garage door, but through listening to the echoes, I was able to hear when to turn or when I was getting close to the door, so I never ran into the door, even though my parents always thought that I, that I might have that happen. He really enjoyed listening to sports on the radio. I mean, Pablo, you and I, I think everybody who's a sports fan, there's like a a play-by-play guy that's the voice of their youth. You know, for me, growing up in New York, it's Marv Albert, right? But Same, yeah. Yeah, but for Bryce, growing up listening to Illinois basketball, it was Brian Barnhart. Minute and a half to go in the half. Here's a bad pass. Turnover Iowa. Three on one. Frazier to the rim. Got it. Brian's style really does a good job creating visual pictures for me of the game taking place on the court. Down the lane, inside, finds Felice open, right side, three, got it! Brian Barnhart's ability to paint that picture allowed Bryce to understand what was going on in the game and to fall in love with basketball. Whenever I received... XM Radio in 2003 as a Christmas present that really broadened the sports that I could listen to from college basketball to MLB and NBA. So Bryce begins to realize that he can consume sports visually through sound and and, and that experience being a fan listening on the radio how does that go from that to someone who wants to personally get involved with college sports? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of steps there, Pablo. While he was still in high school, Bryce went to a camp that was held at the University of Evansville. And while he was there, he met Marty Simmons, who at the time was the head basketball coach at Evansville. One day, he just kind of ended up in my office. He just wanted to, to introduce himself and uh, talked about his passion for basketball and athletics, and we just kind of got to know each other and just a really fun guy to, to talk to and to be around, and we just kind of hit it off. We discussed basketball, and he said if I came to Evansville as a student, that he would be willing to give me the opportunity to sit on his, his basketball bench. And so Marty Simmons invites Bryce to sit on the bench with Evansville. And, you know, it's funny, Pablo, I asked Bryce, I said, so what was your job exactly? And he said, you know, I kind of like, I I didn't really have a specific job. I wasn't responsible for keeping stats. I wasn't responsible for, you know, like handing towels to players. He was just there to be part of the team. He's an inspirational young man. He screams charisma and uh, our players loved him. Our managers fell in love with him. They really, really welcomed him to the team. I think he recognized the power of him being present and being part of this group. I think he really felt a part of it. And I know our guys, our players, and our managers and our coaching staff, we felt like he was a part of our program as well. And I think a big part of it for Bryce is that he's very disarming. He comes into a situation and he puts you at ease with him, with the circumstances, and makes you feel as though, hey, this is a person that I want to be around. Sam, what is this all about for Bryce, as you understand it? Like, why was it so important for him? Why did he do all this work to get close to a basketball team? You know, I think it's two things, Pablo. I think the first thing from a very, like, personal standpoint is that he wanted to be part of a team, you know? He felt all the things that we all love about being part of a team, and he wanted to experience it for himself, and he wanted to experience it in a big way. And 
with somebody like him who has a big personality, he wasn't afraid to go and ask for that thing. And then I think the other thing is that it's about the larger statement. It's about the idea that this is okay, that people who have disabilities still need opportunities and they need to be given those opportunities. They need to be offered those opportunities. And so by him being a part of that team, being able to speak to players, being able to share his personal story, he's spreading that message as far and as wide as he can. He loved being around our players. He loved being around our I mean, it, like you could visually see his emotions and his expressions as part of being around a, a, a basketball family. And as a coach, you know, you're trying to build a culture where you're trying to teach your players, you know, care more about the person next to you than the, in the person in your own seat. And he, he does it all the time. I mean, that's, that's his, his gift. So Bryce basically has this courtside seat at all these games where instead of listening on the radio like he did as a kid, he has to rely on whoever he's next to to explain what's going on. How did that experience compare, Sam? Like without the game broadcast in his ear, what was the learning curve like for Bryce? Yeah, I mean, there was there was a learning curve for sure. I mean, I remember Bryce saying that he was learning things about basketball that he had never even realized existed. When I first sat on the Evansville basketball bench, the first home game, I had no idea that the home team shot away from its bench in the first half and shot by its bench in the second half. He didn't realize that generally point guards bring the ball up the floor near their bench so they can hear the play call from their coach. And that was great for him because it allowed him to hear the back and forth between a coach and the players. And so it just took him some time to sort of learn what does it sound like when a ball hits a rim and bounces away or hits the backboard and then caroms off the back of the rim. All of that stuff he didn't know because he'd heard basketball on the radio, but hadn't been as close to it as he was sitting on the bench. Just learning how basketball worked, that was that was the most interesting things, listening to the officials and being able to shoot free throws before the game on the court was something that I really enjoyed being able to do as well. Sam, based on everything you've already told me about Bryce, I am not at all surprised to learn that he really took to free throw shooting. Yeah, I mean, everybody that we spoke to mentioned how Bryce goes out and shoots free throws. And Pablo, I saw it. I mean, I watched him before the game that I was at. He was out there on the court shooting free throws. And, you know, part of it, part of it is just this mind-blowing thing to see. I mean, because he's really good. He makes a lot of shots. But one of the things that really stood out to me was he's at the line. Somebody uh, is standing under the rim and sort of like claps their hands to kind of remind Bryce where the rim is. And then he shoots in the direction of that sound. And it was incredible. He's making a bunch of these shots in a row. And I'm sort of like awestruck by that. But then he misses one and the ball hits sort of the front and side of the rim and bounces to Bryce's left towards the scorer's table. And Bryce immediately runs in the direction of the ball. Like mm. he knew which side it had bounced to. And as he got close to the scorer's table, he put out his hand. I could tell that was in front of me because I could hear that echo. So the sound just bounces differently. And I could tell there was something in front of me because of how the sound changed. The ability that he has to be tuned into 
all the sounds that you or I might take for granted, hear them and also know what they mean sort of to the larger landscape of what's going on around him is really remarkable. All right, after the break, how Bryce made his entrance into broadcasting and how exactly he uses his other senses to analyze the game. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin. And the Wi-Fi is so terrible, you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely. Drink wisely. So, Sam, how does Bryce's status as the student who's around the basketball team at the University of Evansville, the D1 school all the time, how does that go from that to broadcasting? Well, Pablo, I mean, as you can probably tell at this point, you know, Bryce has uh, a real forceful personality. He's not afraid to sort of push uh, and try to open doors. And, you know, he was interested in working in sports and he started working on the student radio station. And he began by interviewing some coaches sort of in spot duty. And then over time, he slid into the analyst chair. The Evansville student station general manager gave me the opportunity to learn how to analyze games on the radio he first had me interviewing coaches and then i was able to analyze basketball in 2011 and what sports is he calling sam is this with like student broadcasts yeah i mean exactly right pablo he was doing a lot of different sports he did women's basketball the first ever women's basketball game that i did At Evansville, the broadcaster who I was working with, every time he wanted me to talk, he would tap me with a pencil. And every time he wanted me to stop talking, he would tap me again. He did uh, men's basketball. Evansville's doing a good job of working the ball around and getting shots or making baskets as they're in the ball. Soccer. Whereas Eastern Illinois gave it away. That's what set up Evansville on the break down the field. Baseball. Now it forces the Argos pitcher to really be zoned in on the strike zone. Because a walk or a hit batter or a pass ball. The key element to all of it was that he was trying to push boundaries. He was trying to do more. You know, sure, doing interviews is one thing. Analyzing is something else completely different. And he was willing to put in the work to try to make it happen. And he did. And this is where it's worth pointing out that analyzing games live on air for anyone is really hard. And I'm curious 
like what it means for Bryce in terms of what the job entails for him specifically, because I know like normally, right, you're reciting stats, you're giving background info on the players on the court, but is he also breaking down plays as they're happening live? Yeah, I mean, Pablo, it's a great point. And so there's a couple of elements to it. Like any analyst, he does a lot of preparation before the games. He listens to broadcasts of the teams that he's going to be calling. He goes over notes and stats and information, looking for trends and nuggets about the players that are going to be playing in the game. He does all of that before the game, just like any other analyst would. And then to understand how he does the job during the game, Pablo, I think it would almost be more helpful for me just to let you hear some of the clips of Bryce calling games. So, mm. so listen to this. This is a couple of clips from 2013. Bryce is still a student at the University of Evansville, and this game is Evansville against Miami of Ohio. I think there, Bryce, Boo made up his mind. He was going to the rim no matter what. It just ran over the defender. Ran over Sullivan there, and the Red Hawks deciding to slacken off their press a little bit as they do not want to pick up any touch, touch fouls due to their close-natured guarding of the Evansville players. Quint Rollins trying to go coast to coast, loses the ball out of bounds, and it goes over to Evansville. It was all for Rollins' fingertips. Rollins trying to trying to answer, taking the ball all the way himself. Got a little bit too far in there and lost control of the ball, and that completely eradicated the Miami of Ohio possession. Couple of things there, right? How about Bryce's vocabulary, first yeah, of all? Yeah, eradicated, eradicated, <laughs> number one, already impressive. I think, I was going to say, I mean, he's a college student then. I think I was like 25 before I knew what eradicated meant. But, you know, it's really interesting to hear the way he plays off the play-by-play announcer, right? Like, yes, he there's knows the chemistry. The yes, there's this dance that he's doing. There's his chemistry with his partner. And also, I just think of like, you know, Active listening is this term that gets thrown around, especially in the audio medium and podcasting, like what we're doing right now. But what he is doing, he's identifying like the defender that got run over, Sullivan, that he referred to, like he is keeping track of everybody on the court by listening and paying attention and remembering every little detail. Exactly. I I was going to say that to me, that jumped out as well. Like you said it before, the small details that we might sort of take for granted or just completely gloss over all of those small details build together to keep that sort of running picture in his head. And he's going to tell you what he's seen in his head. And it's right. You know what I mean? That's the (laughs) thing that, that blows your mind. It's right. And it's fully in rhythm with what you would expect from a regular radio broadcast. Yeah. There's no real way to tell that the person who is color commentating in that broadcast cannot see. Exactly. Exactly. Right. All right. So listen to a couple more clips These are actually from the game that I was at back in January. It's uh, the Cougars from Southern Illinois, uh, Edwardsville, and the Panthers of Eastern Illinois. And Bryce sat in during that game um, for parts of the game with both the home and away broadcasts. Doss at the left wing, drives to the baseline, got to the rim, laid it in. He got around Lures on the drive, and the no-help defense rotated over, and Doss had a layup. Lures was the last man in the defense there. Once Doss was able to navigate his way around him, it was free, smooth sailing to the basket for the easy two. Carter on the other end for the Cougars on the right wing. Rolls it in, and he misfired, and he rolled it right out of bounds instead of getting it to the freshman, Curtis. Cougars are really making easy mistakes, whether it's having a lob pass picked away because you might be looking at the player for too long or you're telegraphing who you're sending it to. Has some crispness and some strength on your pass. Put some power behind it. They're just throwing soft passes that are easy to get a hold of. 
I'm noticing, Sam, that he is making these inferences. He's making these observations based on his hearing that allow him to describe things live, like free, smooth sailing, right? Like really easy mistakes. These are critiques and yeah, it's color commentary. No, exactly. And I think, you know, I talked to um, Mike Brad, right? He's the one of the play-by-play guys, the first play-by-play guy you heard there. This was the first time that he'd ever worked with Bryce. If you didn't know that he was visually impaired, you'd have no way to know from the game. I mean, it sounds like a, just a regular radio announcer on the game. I think if you're Bryce, that's the thing you're looking for. That's the validation and the confirmation that you're looking for. I want to understand more, Sam, now about just how hearing allows him to paint this picture for himself. Like the sensory interaction that goes on in Bryce's brain, how does all of that work as you understand it? Yeah, I think for us, it's probably impossible to fully understand how heightened Bryce's other senses are. I remember we were like in his grandmother's kitchen, you know, we were doing our interview, and he mentioned that by feel, he could pick up any quarter, any U.S. quarter and tell you what state the quarter was from just by feeling the quarter, you know? Mm. Uh, And I think that when you think about how he goes about doing the job, how he uses hearing to analyze a basketball game, it's kind of the same thing. He's so hypersensitive and he's processing all of the information that he's hearing. So he actually says it better, right? I mean, listen to this clip of Bryce We found this online. It's him being interviewed in 2017 while watching a game at the NBA Summer League. As I sit here at this game in the Thomas and Max Center, I hear the ball bouncing on the floor. I hear the hustle of players running to the basket. Sometimes I hear a whole bunch of shoes squeaking. I also am able to hear sometimes when a player throws the ball out of bounds. And if I was a little closer, I could even hear the commentary of both head coaches. He's spent his entire life taking greater meaning out of the sounds of the world than you or I do. And when he's calling a basketball game, he's taking greater meaning out of what he's hearing on the court. Every person who is blind develops that. But since I was born blind, I developed that quicker than someone who might have became blind partway through their life. There were a few times during the game when I was sitting there watching where I would close my eyes and just listen, right? To sort of try to even understand what it was like to experience a basketball game in that way. And there's a lot of sound. Squeaking shoes and whistles and fans cheering and the ball bouncing and, you know, the coaches shouting. And you can paint a picture in your head Obviously, he's so much more attuned to all of those things that he's able to pick out specific things from a game and talk more about them in that moment. When we were talking the next day after the game, he literally went back and cited a couple of specific examples from the broadcast that showed how he's able to deploy those skills. 
There was one point in the first half where the gym was very quiet and the Eastern Illinois player shot a free throw and it came short off the front of the rim and it rolled into the basket. Henry Abraham makes both free throws for his first two points tonight. He got that one to roll in, a little short, got it over the front of the rim. That's amazing. And then also there was a time on a missed free throw that I could tell that it was possessed by SIUE because the ball was being brought back down the court. So I told that to him, and then I let him pick up the the play-by-play because I thought he would enjoy that and be surprised by that. So Bryce started doing this in college as a student. He started calling games when he was in school. He finished school in 2014. Is Bryce still doing games? How many games has he called? Yeah, Pablo, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's a side gig, you know, at best for Bryce. As many opportunities as he's had, he would certainly still like to do more. But, you know, it's still more of a one-off thing for him than it is a regular job. Radio broadcasters don't really want to allow me to commentate with them because they do not feel comfortable having someone who is blind commentating with them. Why do you think that is? They're just nervous about it because it's something that hasn't been done or something that that they haven't done in their own personal broadcasting career. And to be clear here and to be fair, Sam, there are limitations. It's, It's unavoidable that there will be moments, scenes, things that happen that are unpredictable, that are strange, that aren't captured in audio that Bryce isn't so familiar with, right? I mean, there are things that he's gonna have to overcome. Yeah, absolutely, Pablo. I mean, and I think Bryce admits that. Obviously, there are, in any game, in any you know moment, there are things that are unexpected, that are sort of out of the norm. And in those circumstances, Bryce isn't going to be as quick to react to them as somebody who is sighted. But I think what's interesting to consider is that Bryce's presence on the broadcast also brings more out of his play-by-play partner. And that was something that Joe Pott, remember, he's the guy from SIU Edwardsville who had been sort of a mentor to Bryce. That was something that Joe talked about in pretty great detail. It made me a better broadcaster because I know when Bryce is listening or when Bryce is on the other mic, you better be on your game because we'd go to a break between innings and he'd say, yeah, how many bounces did that ball take through the infield? Where, where did that trailing runner go? You didn't tell me where the cutoff man was standing. All of these things that I wasn't, little things, right, that we want to do as play-by-play guys that we want to do to make our broadcast better, he was right on top of all of that. And I think about that a lot when I call a game. I think about, man, what are the things that Bryce would want me to be describing? So if Colin Games is a thing he wants to still do more of, but isn't doing as often as he'd like, what is his day job? What's his main gig right now? Yeah, Pablo, I mean, obviously he loves doing the games, but he works as a disability consultant. You know, he works with companies to help them be more inclusive and to find opportunities for people with disabilities. And he works with sports teams. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, he worked with the Baltimore Orioles to help them put together National Federation of the Blind Night at Camden Yards. Orioles players and coaches wore specially designed jerseys with um, Braille lettering, both Orioles and the players' last names. They were the first team in American professional sports history to incorporate Braille into their uniforms on a game day, and Bryce was involved in making that happen. And he also has worked with a foundation called the Beautiful Lives Project, which essentially is all about giving people with disabilities the opportunity to do things that they wouldn't otherwise have the chance to do. 
Sam, it's been about two months since you started reporting this story, since you went to that basketball game that you started the show with back in early January. And I'm just curious what sticks with you the most as we're talking here today. I guess it's two things, you know? The first is just the sheer ability that Bryce has, you know? It's remarkable. He is a radio analyst. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He is as successful at that job as anybody that I've heard. And I think that that's just, it's amazing to me. I think the second thing that stands out to me about Bryce is his approach to all of this. He saw it as an opportunity to show gratitude towards Marty and Joe. Marty Simmons gave him that chance to sit on the bench. Joe Pott was somebody who was a mentor to him and and treated him like an equal in the business. What both those men did for me is something that should be given to people of all disabilities to be able to have opportunities to live their dreams and be able to have the experiences in life that they would like to be able to take part in. When I think about sort of the power of Bryce's story, it's, it's those two things. Look what he can do, and also look at the people who gave him the chance to do it. Sam Borden, thank you for taking the opportunity to tell us this story. Thanks very much, Pablo. If you want to see Sam Borden's College Game Day feature on Bryce Weiler, you can find the link over in our show notes. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.